0: And I'm so glad you're here. And I just want to continue to just encourage you uh, as you continue to move forward. No regrets. All in heart and soul. No regrets. I'm not preaching it this morning, but it's a message that's near and dear to me, and I'm really spending a lot of time on it, but it's that incredible moment when Jonathan takes this young servant, and he says, man, we're we're going to the other side. I'm not going to sit around in a cave and sit in fear and doubt and uncertainty, and he has to go to a servant, even though there's 600 guys fully equipped for battle, but not a single one of them Received the revelation to move forward. But this kid, Jonathan, and a servant, and the servant responds to Jonathan and says, I'm all in heart and soul. You've got to be all in heart and soul. All in heart and soul. Because now I'm telling you, there's, there's all around us, we've got people who are passionate about things outside of the will of God and, and, and the purposes of God, and yet there's, a, there, there's the church, right, who still wonders, you know, whether, whether God is, is with us or not, and there should be no question amongst you and I, there should be no question that God is here, His presence is here. And may the Holy Spirit continue to cultivate inside of you a holy desperation for more. Holy desperation for more. That there would be inside of you a boldness that comes from the Lion of Judah. And a hunger and a thirst for righteousness each and every day. There should be an excitement to get into the Word each and every day. And I love it because, you know, at Soul Cry Church, after we've cried out for about 30 to 45 minutes in worship, I'll get up to the front and I'll go, man, are we ready for the word? And there'll be another roar that comes out of the house because we're cultivating an, an excitement for just the word of God. And I love it because, you know, we, we, we are, we're raising up young men and women to be voices at Soul Cry Church, and we have these incredible ministry moments, and different people are preaching, and, and we're always encouraging everyone, stay close to the Word. Stay close to the Word of God. And so we have these moments where we just open up the Word, we just start reading it, and people start shouting hallelujah and amen, glory to God, because the Word is life. And that's all we need. It's, it's the Word of the Lord. So I just want to encourage you just to continue while you're here, fall in love with God's Word because there's going to be a lot of Word that's going to come your way when you step out of here. Oh, Amen. everybody's got a Word. Everybody's got a motivational speech. Everyone's got a TED Talk. Everyone's got something else to give you to better you. Come on. I was, I was behind a car today, just paraphrasing, but I came up on a car today, and there was a, a Jimi Hendrix quote that says, the power of love is able to withstand the power, the, the love for power. That's what it said. It said, the, the power of love is able to withstand the love for power. And if any, if we could all just embrace the power of love, I'm like, I'm like, man, that sounds so good, but it's the power of Jesus that's able to overcome the love for power. And when we understand the power of Jesus, that's when we understand true love. You didn't get it right, Jimi Hendrix. You kilted on the guitar, but you didn't get it right. And yet, man, if if you're not in the Word, then you look at that quote and you go, dude, that's, oh man, that's deep. Wow, yeah, it's so good. And we miss it. And again, I'm going to continue to reiterate this, but the world would say to you, come on, relax, pull back. You know that's good stuff, man. Come on, we all need a little bit of love. But if that love is not coming from the right place, if that love is not anchored in the right place, it's the wrong love. It doesn't last And I'm telling you, I just feel like I, because I, you know, I I sit in my house. I sit in my house, Dr. A, and I talk to my 22-year-old and my 19-year-old and my 14-year-old. We have these conversations and we're talking through just the noise that they're hearing, the noise that they're hearing. And my message to you is silence the lions. Silence the lions. It's a familiar story in Daniel chapter 6, um, but I feel like the beauty of the word is that from, from, from generation to generation, it works for you. And there's revelation. And I pray that the lion of Judah within you would roar louder than the lions of this world. Daniel chapter 6. please Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps he's distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps why Because an excellent spirit was in him. The excellent spirit comes out of your commitment to reflect King Jesus each and every day of your life. The excellent spirit comes out of your commitment to the word. The excellent spirit comes out of your commitment to pray always without ceasing continuously. The excellent spirit will keep you in the room. Remember, your gifts will make room for you. That's what scripture says. But it's your character that will keep you in the room. Because there was an excellent spirit that was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. I'm reminded of what the word of the Lord says in Matthew 5, 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. It is your father's desire that he would establish you distinguished above all, but for his glory alone. I believe that what God is doing in you is preparation for you to stand one day on a platform and give glory to God. Whether that platform is in an office or whether that platform is in a church, it doesn't matter. But that it would all be for the glory of King Jesus, Daniel 6 verse 4, are you still with me? Say amen. Amen. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. That doesn't mean he was perfect, but what it does mean is his lifestyle was a commitment to God and a reflection of God, and his lifestyle was a reflection of his prayer life. People will always look for an opportunity to complain about you. They'll always look for an opportunity to find fault with you. And the reality is, as I like to say, the haters will always try to ruin your reputation. It's a spirit of competition. It's a spirit of jealousy that, they, that Daniel faced years ago and that you and I will face today. Attempting to tear down what God is building up in your life. You'll always face adversity. But don't be intimidated by man. You and I will withstand the threats when we stand on the word and when we live our life committed to prayer. But you have to strengthen your prayer life. Pray always, always without ceasing. Believe in faith faith that Jesus will fight the battle for you. You see, this title I'm giving you, Silence the Lions, refers not just to the lions that are deep down in the pit, but the lions that are also at ground level. The lions of this world and the lions even within some of your your close community. Man, I, I served for seven years as an associate pastor of probably one of three of the largest churches in New York City. I walked closely with the senior pastor, Pastor Carter Conlon, who's still a spiritual father in my life, who, who I, I have the opportunity to just get on the phone with him and chop it up for a little bit and, and talk through stuff that I'm dealing with as a church planter now. But man, it was an honor to, to be right there in Midtown Manhattan on 51st and Broadway. Life was good. Really? Ministry? Family? Salary? Woo! My Lord Jesus. There's something really cool about being a mega church pastor, Dr. A, until the Lord says, I'm calling you out. And I couldn't shake it. Because as I was actively praying and seeking God, as I continued to yearn after the will of God, I became uncomfortable In my comforts, oh, I was really comfortable. I had a massive office. So there were two primary offices that overlooked Broadway. From my office, I could see the ball drop. The senior pastor had this office right on the corner, 51st and Broadway. Then there was another associate pastor. Then there was my office, a third pastor. And all three of our offices, we could overlook Broadway. It's beautiful. I mean, that was the kind of space where you just retire. You don't walk away from that kind of position. In Midtown Manhattan, I had my own parking spot. You know how much it costs to park in Midtown Manhattan? It's $75 an hour. But I had my own parking spot where all of the garage attendants knew me as Pastor Ham when I showed up into Midtown Manhattan. I had a studio apartment in Midtown Manhattan right there as a pastor of Times Square Church. Do you know how much a studio apartment 400 square feet costs in Midtown Manhattan? It's $4,000 a month. Man, I was living good. That was just my studio apartment. Then it was my house an hour up in the comforts of the suburbs of Orange County. I'm still there. Thank you, Jesus. And then I couldn't shake it. So I had to go to the founding pastor, Pastor Carter Conlon. I had to go to the lead pastor, Pastor Tim Delina. And I had to let them know I can't shake it. Suddenly I have a burden for God, for God to use my life in a, in a different area, in a different space. And I know it looks backwards and I know it feels and looks crazy. But God's calling me out of my comforts. He's calling me out of Times Square Church. He's calling me out. And those two men commissioned me out. But there was a lot of noise amongst other people. A lot of noise. Why are you walking away from Times Square Church? Are you not hearing from God? Do you understand loyalty? You've got the spirit of rebellion. How dare you would walk away from one of the greatest movements in New York City? And they were chirping. And my wife and I, We're getting all of this noise. And they they were coming even for my children. Like, oh, your dad just wants to do whatever he wants to do. He's checking out. People not knowing that I had received the blessing with people who I had processed up with. You want to know who one of those other ones who I processed up when God called me out of Times Square Church? Brother Paul Johansson, who's been speaking into my life since I was 19 years old. Oh, yeah, I processed up. Hey, You can never get too old to process up. It's one of the steps that you need to take in the effort to silence the lions who are going to come after you and attack your character. And you have to pray. You have to seek God. You have to stay low and pray. You have to keep your ear to heaven and pray and seek God because for many in the natural, they're not going to understand the steps that you take in alignment to God's will. And as quickly as you're raised up and as quickly as you can find yourself in a position like me standing in front of 2,000 people a night every Sunday for a 6 o'clock service while hundreds are receiving Jesus, all of a sudden those same people that were surrounding you and cheering you on are now looking at you as a rebellious individual who doesn't hear from God anymore. But oh, glory be to God my Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the soul Individual, my Savior, who validates me and affirms me each and every day. And as I continue to trust him and to seek his face, suddenly the lions that roar are suddenly on mute. You want to mute the lions? Stay in the word of God. You want to mute the lions that roar at you? Pray, pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray continue. Listen, I have found it, Dr. Case, a lot easier to pray without ceasing within this particular social climate that we now live in. And this environment that we live in with all of this noise. I have found it so much easier to pray without ceasing. Because the world's going to come for you. And even those closest to you will accuse you. Verse 5, then these men said, uh, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. (laughs) Hey, listen, I found this very interesting in verse 5, that the only thing that they could pin Daniel for was his unwavering commitment to God. So if people are going to talk about you, let them talk about your faith in Jesus. Jesus. Let them talk about how committed you are to his will. Let them talk about how you don't waver from your convictions as a believer. Let them talk about that. People are going to always make an effort to be in your business. It happens. So let them know that you represent kingdom business. May it be, I wrote this down this morning. May it be that the only thing they can say about Elam students is they are full of fire, committed, and connected to King Jesus. May it be that the only thing that they can say about Elam students and the community at Elam is they are committed to a life of prayer, holding fast to their convictions cultivated out of a prayer life, standing on the word of God without compromise. That's my prayer for you. This is my declaration for you. Look at Daniel 6, verse 6. And the high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king, Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction, and that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. You still with me? Say Amen. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Elam, Elam, we're seeing this very same thing right now in our society. Rules and ordinances are being put in place right now to suppress the voice of the church. The world is making efforts right now to make Christianity a crime. But the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Before I get to verse 10, which is, an, which is a critical and essential verse. But listen, uh, um, right now, even in New York City, it is very difficult to maneuver around the rules and ordinances that have been established between church and state between the educational system and the church. And so it's becoming harder for church plants to find space to come in and begin uh, to launch. It's costly. It's expensive. And one of the go-to routes was always to be able to go to a local school and to be able to ask if you could rent the space because it's a little cheaper. But now many schools in New York City don't want anything to do with church because of the growing agenda with LG LGBTQ. LGBTQ+. I went into one church before we launched. I mean, sorry, one school before we launched. And when I went right into the lobby, there it was. All of this this information and these posters really promoting transgender. It was an elementary school. I was shocked how much content and how much promotion and marketing was going around the LGBTQ+. The, The clear, the clear, clear attack of the enemy on this young generation to normalize that which is unbiblical. Oh man, it is critical that you understand and know without a doubt where you are in Christ from a biblical worldview. Or else you will bend to the sound and the noise of this world. And I went in and we asked if we could set up in there. They said, absolutely not. Are you a church? I said, yes. Are you going to be preaching and telling people a certain way of living according to the Bible? I said, yes. They said, no, thank you. Goodbye. I said, God bless you. Shook the dust off my feet and kept it moving. But did not give up on that community that I knew God called me to. I ain't walk away from my Broadway office for nothing. I will not back down. I know God spoke to me. New fight, new strategy. I'm in this. All in heart and soul. And then I I went to another school that was actually closer to Queensbridge Housing Projects, where I knew that was going to be our mission field. Only a 10-minute walk, and I stepped into that school. Her name is Principal Dion, and I stepped into that school and set a meeting. And she said, hello, how may I help you? I said, I'd love to rent your auditorium. It's the space that we need. It's right here in the community that we want to serve. She said, are you a church? I said, yes. She said, is there any way that we can kind of call it it just an event if you do come in? I said, oh, it's going to be an event, but it's going to be an event that preaches Jesus. Every single week. Oh, wow, really? Yes, it is. So let's just, let's just settle on the fact that if you're going to have us here, you're going to have to understand we are a church that preaches the good news of God. You know what she said? Okay. <laughs> God moved in. God will always move in when you do not waver. He moves in when you and I do not waver. There was a lot of rejection in Long Island City and Queens. Yeah, we faced it. But right now, we're at PS 111, a 10-minute walk from the largest housing projects in Queens, in New York City, in North America. 10,000 plus live right there, a 10-minute walk. And now we're starting to see them come in. And we're going to continue to permeate this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will not waver. And God will make room for the saints that cry out and call on his name. I'm not worried about rejection. I'm not worried about rules and ordinances that continue to tighten up the boundaries and the borders of what the church can or can't do. I don't live according to the borders and the parameters that are established by this world. I don't care about worldly petitions. I care about what God has called me to do for his purpose. And do not allow fear to settle in and scare you away from what God's calling you to do. Silence the lions in faith. Silence the lions with the power of the Holy Spirit that causes you to stand up and do not bend to what this world would say to you, to intimidate you, and to cause you to draw back. In 2019, I had went to Belfast in Northern Ireland. I'm there once a year now by the grace of God. And I, I get to step into this beautiful landmark church called Whitewell Metropolitan Tabernacle. And, and, and there, and years and years ago, it was that revival center for the city of Belfast. And, and God's still sustaining this church. And so I, I do this five this five night citywide conference where I speak in front of a thousand to fifteen hundred people for five straight nights in Belfast, of all places God has me. Whoo, but I love it. In 2019, it was such an incredible move of God that were happening in the meetings that I, call, I was called into the second largest radio station in Northern Ireland, it's just a secular radio station. And I said, what am I stepping into? It's like, what's going on? And, and and the and, and the 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 contact said, oh no no no, they just want to have just a little conversation and, and just hear about just the the meetings that are going on. And so I went over to the station. We're on live radio. I had a set time to come in, and I step into the little studio, and 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 the guy that the 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 the, the radio guy, he comes to me and he's like, he greets me, and I'm like, hey, could you kind of give me a heads up, kind of where we're going over the next 15 minutes for this kind of interview, and all. Uh, and he assured me, oh, just a wee bit of conversation. You know <laughs> a wee bit of conversation okay so I thought it was a wee bit of conversation as I thought that's what it was gonna be and I sat down across the table from him hear him on a mic myself on a mic and and he and the first thing he says is he says is so you're you're, you're in Belfast and you're, you're, you're giving people a message I said I am he said what's the message I said, I'm letting people know that Jesus loves them with an everlasting love so much that he came and died on the cross and rose again on the third day so that you and I right here at this table and everyone listening can have resurrection life. Oh, that, that's, that's really good, really good. Yeah, yeah. And he said, but, but what about those what about those who, what about the men who are in love with men? I said, wait, wait, what just, what just happened to the wee bit of conversation? He didn't waste any time. I said, excuse me? He said, I said, he said yeah, you, you didn't hear me clearly. He said, and there was all of a sudden, can I, I'm going to be very transparent with you. I got to get back to the text too. Lord Jesus, but I felt led that I need to share this with you because this is real. And if, if this happened to this Gen Xer, you better believe it's going to happen to this Gen Z generation that I'm looking at right now. As you continue to make a stand. Let me be very honest with you. My heart started racing pounding through my chest i had a moment right there where it was either going to be fear or faith fear or faith shake off the fear right now david ham trust in the power of the holy spirit because that moment i heard the question the first time but i was so shook up by it i was like wait what what did you just ask me he said, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just asking you to talk about this love. But does this love that Jesus gives offer any rough, any room for men who love men? And I just had to calm down. And the Lord just made it so clear to me that I'm going to give you the words to speak every moment, every minute. Trust me now. This has to go beyond just your knowledge and what you study. studied. You're now going to have to understand that the Holy Spirit's going to work in you and through you to respond in the right way with the boldness of a lion in the effort to silence the lions right now. I said, well, let me tell you this. I said, this everlasting love that Jesus has is for all. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And it begins with you and I and everyone listening, understanding the love that we have from King Jesus. And then change happens. He says change happens. Meaning that men can't love each other with a genuine love. Meaning that women can't love women and get married. I said, from a biblical standpoint, when you come to understand the love of Jesus, you will realize through the revelation of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit that the love relationship between a man and a man does not align to God's will. Oh, how can you say that when two people are in love? Because very oftentimes we create a love that is fully away from God's will and how he designed and established love to look like as a reflection of his love for us. We being the bride of Christ and Jesus, the bridegroom who welcomes us into a relationship. I said, for everyone listening right now, you'll never understand the beauty of God's love for you until you understand who you are made in his image. And people who don't know who they are made in the image of Jesus will always search for love in their own strength. And he started to get worked up and angry because I began to rest in the truth and suddenly I felt like this brother across the table from me was completely on mute and it was an opportunity for me to be a light in a very dark place. And there was no question that he was able to present to me that caused me to back down in fear. This is why you're here at Elam, not because you need to get ready to be on the radio and get ready for an interview like the one that I faced in 2019, but for the conversations that you're going to have with your peers, the conversations that you'll continue to have on your job. The conversations that you'll continue to have in your neighborhood, the conversations that you'll continue to have when God raises you up just like Daniel, when God raises you up just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and will you stand firmly on the word of God? Will you understand, having come out of here, that there's a firm foundation that you've been given, and all other ground is sinking sand, and if you have to go through the fire, there's always a fourth in the fire. You understanding what I'm saying? Oh, look! Look at verse ten, Daniel six, verse ten. Look. Says when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber, (laughs) open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and prayed. And gave thanks before his God. That's a tough one right there. See, many of us, we pray in that moment and cry out like, oh, God, please help me out right now. It's about to be crazy. He gives God thanks. In the moment where he's about to face persecution, he gives God thanks. He gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Previously. You see, Daniel would rather be thrown in the lion's den before giving up his time spent with the living God. Here's what Daniel's thinking about all of this. My conversations with my father in heaven are way too good to give up. The presence of the Holy Spirit is too good to deny. Man. So that's, that's uh, it, it's for me, it's just, uh, I, I, some of the things that I like to do at, at Soul Cries, I'll, I'll write monologues. I'll write monologues that are like inner reflective from, in just kind of sort of a, a modern day sense. And, and that's where I came with Daniel. I, I, felt, I felt like... Here's, my, here's my, my modern day like monologue. It's like Daniel's like, mm, yeah, no. just the, the fellowship and the community that I have with the Holy Spirit is way too good to give up. Matter of fact, it doesn't even matter what the circumstances look like. I'm just going to keep on praying. And there are certain patterns that I have with my King Jesus that I'll never break, regardless of what's going on around me. Because the community and the communion, the communion that I have with King Jesus is too good to give up for me to change and any way, regardless of whatever petition, decree, rules, or ordinance will be established wherever God takes you. Wherever God takes you. Hey, here's the reality. I don't even know if I'm going to get through all of this because I I think I'm going to encourage you even just through the rest of the the day. Could you finish up Daniel chapter 6? If I don't get through it, can I get an Amen. I'm not saying that as we step into what I believe to be the the end of days and coming into this very critical hour that, that death is knocking on our door. But I do believe that you and I in this hour have to truly be willing to lay down our lives for King Jesus. Years ago, I took a team when I used to work with Nikki Cruz and travel all over the globe. I took a team with me to Oslo, Norway. And Oslo, Norway is a very unique place. It's quite the melting pot. It's not really necessarily a whole bunch of people that are over six feet tall with blonde hair and blue eyes. It's it's super, it's like uber diverse. And just uber diverse, multi-ethnic, multicultural through Oslo. But it's a bit like, like, um, it's a bit segregated though as you move around through the city of Oslo. And there's this particular area in Oslo. Oslo, Norway, where it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge Middle Eastern population, and, and it's predominantly all Muslim, and they're, they're wearing all, like, traditional garb and, and, and robes, and, and all the women are covered. The only thing you see is just uh, just their eyes peering through, and we just were able to get a permit to be able to do uh, a setup with music and the gospel presented and, and share songs and testimonies just about anywhere we wanted to in Oslo, but see, that was God just preparing us to be able to move beyond what was already established in the rules and ordinances of Oslo. We had this permit to go wherever we wanted. And there we were in this huge Islamic community. And we pulled up in this 15 passenger van. And I had about 15 teenagers and young adults in that van with me. And they were ready to go with song and music. But I'm telling you, it it looked like a scene out of uh, a war movie in the Middle East right before we were getting ready to step out. And I turned around and looked at them all, and I said, are you willing to die for this gospel? Because it looked hostile, it looked uncomfortable, it looked really unsettling in the natural. And I turned around and said, are you willing, do, do you believe so in such a way, deep down in your soul, that, that with this gospel, I will declare it, and preach it, and speak it, and be a testimony of it until my dying day. If, if, if you're not there, I said to them, stay in the van. Stay in the van. Stay in the van. No, I was like legit stay in the van Every single one got out We set up our speakers we set up our sound We felt like man, this is hostile territory But the light shines in the dark How can you and I be light if we're not going into dark places Light doesn't shine in light The beauty of light happens when you're in dark places but you better have an understanding of that light if you step into the dark. Anyway, we we set up speakers. We set everything up. Music went out, testimonies in between. It was about a 30-minute presentation. Oh, it was a lot of fun. We didn't get any hallelujahs or amens or shouts. We didn't even get any applause after any songs. It was silent. It was eerie almost. We knew that the moment represented spiritual warfare that was going on in the spirit realm. I came up at the end and I said, we're just here to let you know that Jesus loves you. We're here to let you know, and I've always said this for many years, we're here to let you know that the God I serve came to rescue me. It's not me trying to figure out how to get to God, but God loved me so much that he sent his son to come and rescue me while I was in darkness, rescue me while I was in sin. You do know that's the beauty of Christianity, right? We are the only religion where God came to get us. All other religions, do your research, study. But all other religion, religions on this globe, it's an effort for man to figure out how to get to this higher power. Christianity is the only faith where Jesus came to rescue us. And after I finished preaching and sharing the gospel for five minutes, I said, "Is anybody here want prayer to the God that we know, to Jesus Christ? Of course, nobody moved Many started to walk away There was a Muslim man in the back standing with his son who was about five years old And I said to the team just go just walk around and pray intercede on behalf of these beautiful people who God loves so much And I'm standing there in the middle and the Muslim man, and I don't know he was about from me to that door and he just goes just like this I said, oh Jesus here we go <laughs> And I started walking to him and I came right to this man and his five-year-old son and he leans into my ear, Dr. A, real close and he goes, I don't believe in the God that you serve. But would you pray to your God for my son who is very sick? He said, I don't believe in the God that you serve, but would you pray to your God? Wait, 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 what? And the Holy Spirit said to me, "Uh uh-uh, don't try to process that. Get down on your knees and lay your hands on his child. And I got down on both my knees and rested my two hands on his chest. And I sensed his child was very sick. And I sensed that God was doing something in the Father. But he dare not make it known in that community. But he had just a mustard seed of faith to say, come here, come here, pray for my son, because Allah isn't doing nothing. I rested my hands. I don't know what happened after that, but I sensed the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God wants to bring you into places that might look incredibly dark, but there's a light that shines in us, and God is going to set you up for divine appointments, even though there's a lot of noise. But as you pray, as you seek God, don't break your rhythm of prayer. New fight, new strategy, but same God, same prayer life, same word, same Holy Spirit. I love the fact that Daniel heard the petition and went, I'm going home. I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray and have conversation with the king. I'm going to go home and talk to my God. It's a beautiful moment that we see. And these men came by agreement and found Daniel making a petition and plea before his God. See, when they see you, will they find you crumbling in fear? Or will the world find his church? Will the world find Elam seeking the face of Jesus Christ, believing and crying out from our soul? That neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, listen, we, we, we know what happens through verse 12 and 13, and 14. Uh, these sneaky sneaky guys are like, yeah, king, yeah, we saw Daniel. We caught him. We caught him. We caught him. He was not in line with your petition and decrees. And the king now, he, he loved Daniel, but now he's like, oh man, oh my goodness, what did I do? All right, oh man, but yeah, I got to stick to my laws. I'm so glad we don't stick to law. I'm so glad we stand on the firm foundation of Christ and his love for us, his steadfast love. Hallelujah. Then the king commanded that Daniel would be brought and cast into the den of lions in verse 16. Then he, now, now the king wants to be like, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. Look at verse 17. And a stone was brought, laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the Lord's that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel, but anything that the world attempts to seal will, can always be broken by the power of Jesus. Always. God always has the final say. He's the beginning and the end of your story. I'm almost done. You know, Daniel said in chapter 2, in verse 22-22, he said, Daniel had said this before even getting to this place. He said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. Remember, they sealed it. Remember, in verse 17 of Daniel 6, look, look, at, look at the parallel here. In Daniel 6, verse 17, Daniel, Daniel gives us this moment in the story that says that nothing, King, the king says, I, si- I signed it with my signet so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. But if you don't know the God who is able to change all things, you will cower at that moment when suddenly the stone gets rolled away in front of you. And you'll forget that you and I are walking in the power of God's resurrection life. And stones always get rolled away when you and I are walking in accordance to God. Oh, man, I hope y'all are hearing me. I know it's early. I'm sorry. I've had a shot of espresso before I walked in here. No, I'm not going to preach all night long like the Apostle Paul, but maybe one day I'll have that experience. Daniel said in chapter 2, he already knew where he stood with God. He said he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. I got to stop. Y'all finish. Y'all finish later on. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You've got to know before you step into a situation or a crisis, you've got to know in Daniel 2 where God stands and where you stand with God before you get to Daniel chapter 6. You hearing what I'm saying? You've got to live a Daniel 2 life before you step into a Daniel 6 crisis. If you don't know Daniel 2, before you get into Daniel 6, you're in trouble. And all of a sudden, when the stone rolls in front of you and suddenly your situation goes dark, do you understand the light of Christ that is in you? Do you know before you get to Daniel 6 that when the stone rolls in front of you and all of a sudden you hear the rumble of lions are they loud in your ear or are they on mute because the holy spirit is stirring you in such a way that they don't even bother you Daniel chapter 2 is the only way you're going to silence the lions Daniel chapter 2 is the only <laughs> Dr. A, I'm done. I'm done, but I just I cannot let I me mean, look Look, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Pentecostals get to say that at least three times. <laughs> Second, Second Timothy chapter 4, 16 through 18. Write that down. 2 uh, Timothy chapter 4, 16 through 18. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. <sighs> Forgiveness. <laughs> That's a whole other message. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Here it is. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory